For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft analysts Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. Today's episode, we are going to be covering some senior bowl thoughts as a ton of invites were issued this past week the roster is starting to truly shape out we're also going to hit on some concerns with justin fields and a lot of people overreacting to his shaky performance against indiana lastly we have a ton of stat sheet stuffers and as always Stockwatch. Before we get into that, though, folks, I want to share our message with you from our sponsors, that being Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. College football is slowly approaching the end of its season. You might not be able to be at these games this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I know that whenever I'm putting in my bets and and I want to make a little bit of extra money, it doesn't have to be a ton of money down, just a few dollars here and there. I'm going to bet online to make those bets and wagers. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So guys, the, the big thing here that really popped up around the college football world, and that obviously translates to NFL draft conversations, everybody was losing their minds over Justin Fields, in their eyes, struggling against a top 10 opponent. Now, they ended up beating Indiana, but seeing him throw multiple interceptions, a lot of people were making speculation on can he play on the bigger stage? Can he step up to these top opponents? Can he clean up these issues? And will these issues be overlooked by scouts? And should we be worried? And I think that it's pretty safe to say, just from talking with you guys, you're not in that camp. You think that this is a bit of an overreaction just to assume one game is going to dev- to define the draft stock of a guy who clearly is quarterback two and should be the second overall pick. Ryan, are, are you in that camp? Do you agree with that, with that general thought? Well, I, I think that every Saturday we see the same type of conversation. It's overreaction Saturday every single week. So anytime someone does something positively or negatively – it's going to be it's going to be put up a notch, right? It's going to be taken up a peg. People are going to talk about it because that's just how some of us are programmed. Now, I'm going to kind of put this into context of working, right? So like for people that don't know, I'm in the education field as a teacher. So we have 3 to 4 evaluations every year. For our job to see if we are rehired until that until you get until you get um get until you're tenured right so 
if you have one bad performance, you have one bad lesson, that is not all that quantifies you as a teacher. And then this is the same way. We talk about NFL, you know, NFL scouts are watching three-plus games of players every single year to get a clear evaluation of them. So this one performance, while I will agree, and I, I think Alex would attest to it, it was a poor performance, this will not encapsulate Justin Fields as a prospect. Was it a poor performance? Absolutely. Does that mean that he is going to be knocked down a peg or he's going to be moved down draft boards this week? Absolutely not, and he should not be. If you are moving him down your board, if you are putting Zach Wilson over him, or even putting – if you are a Justin Fields over Trey Lance person and you say they have to – oh, I'll take Trey Lance over Justin Fields, then you are just making those overreactions and you're not doing the evaluation process right. This is why I always say we're not, I'm not updating draft boards. I'm not updating positional rankings every week. I do it a couple – what maybe midseason, and then I do it at the end of the season when the official evaluations are underway. This is an overreaction. Justin Fields had a bad performance. Leave it at that. We can have a conversation on why he had this bad performance, absolutely. But let's please, 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 please not overreact to every single week because in the other three games Justin Fields has played, he's played really well. In 2019, for the most part, he played well. There were some inconsistencies I saw going into the year, but that should not – one game should not – discourage you from believing that Justin Fields is this potential elite prospect and the potential savior of a quarterback position on the next level. I'd really like to get a hand of that, that Ryan Roberts scouting report, uh, teacher scouting report. I'd be curious to see what that says. <laughs> <laughs> says I'm awesome. What else would it say? But I know I completely agree. The knee jerk reactions on Twitter regarding just players and prospects in general, this doesn't have to do about Justin Fields, but in general is w- overblown and in this case you know we're talking about Justin Fields who to this point in the season has had a historic season I mean we just talked about what last week two weeks ago about how we had more touchdown total touchdowns and incompletions I mean this guy has been dominant to this point and Indiana's a good football team they're not they don't have the the tradition of winning like some other schools do in the Big Ten or, or you know around the country but the team's been successful this year, knocking off Michigan, who's looked bad, Penn State, who's looked bad. They've been winning big football games because their defense has played really, really well. They're probably the best blitzing team in the nation, I would say, at this to this point in the season. And, yeah, Justin Fields struggled. He did not handle the pressure very well. He was making rash decisions when 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 facing that pressure and those are the those are the decisions that led to the three interceptions that he threw yes he had a bad game and and I know y'all y'all were laughing at me yesterday because I was getting kind of heated on Twitter at just the the reactions to this people were using this game as a reason to say yep he's not even close to Trevor Lawrence people that thought so were so wrong blah 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 but so soon we forget that Trevor Lawrence was bad the first few weeks of 2019, which was his second full year starting. This is the second full year starting for Justin Fields. But the difference is, is Trevor Lawrence struggled for weeks, probably what, four or five weeks if if memory serves. Justin Fields has been dominating this season. Has one bad game, and and these reactions are just ridiculous to me. I and I'll, I'll I've been saying it on Twitter, and I'll say it here too. There is nothing that yesterday or Saturday proved, that changes my opinion on Justin Fields. I think of him the exact same today as I thought of him yesterday, and I will going forward. He 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 hasn't handled pressure well. That's been one of his flaws in his game, but don't think that there's not flaws in any quarterback prospect's game. He's not a perfect prospect. 
but there is no perfect prospect quarterback position especially you're not going to get a perfect prospect and so yes he had a strugglesome game against a good defense who sent a lot of unique blitzes showed him a lot of things that he has not seen to this point and he struggled let's just I mean he did but Justin Fields is still and I can't believe I have to to make sure I say this but he is still a top three prospect in this draft class and he is still going to be drafted in the top three of the 2021 NFL draft. There, nothing has changed from one game, and I think that's where you see that's what you see with draft Twitter and and the the platform. You're just seeing people say, "Oh, this guy, uh, Zach Wilson over Justin Fields, Trey Lance over Justin Fields," and golly, let one bad performance be. Let's like I said, these are the same people that are that are saying that Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect since Manning. Soon we forget. Trevor Lawrence struggled in 2019. So Justin Fields, like I said, I think of him the same yesterday as I do today. Nothing's changed. He had a bad performance. That is what it is. Let the rest of the season play out. Let's evaluate the season as a whole. Let's not evaluate each game, game by game, change our big board rankings every week, like Ryan alluded to uh, when talking about how some people do it. We need to let the whole season, the product, be laid out there before we start evaluating. Well, Alex, what if uh, what if someone had Trey Lance over Justin Fields, though? Well, (laughs) I can't help you with that one. (laughs) Just to put Fields' performance in perspective, the other three games this year that he's played in, he did not go under 82% completion percentage. Yesterday he threw for 60%. Uh, two touchdowns and three interceptions. That was Those were his first three interceptions this season. He did have a good day running the football, 15 attempts for 78 yards, going against a team that has one of the best pass rushes in college football. So a little inconsistent there. And just to wrap up this point, you guys talked about the big key thing in this is you shouldn't overreact from one performance. It is a full season's worth of evaluation. And I would argue, as I like to say a lot when we talk about these overreactions, if you're evaluating a guy's draft stock after just one game and you're you're pushing him down boards and pushing guys ahead of him after one game, I would argue that you don't really understand how scouting works. You probably don't know what you're doing if you think that, that this is how things are supposed to work, that you're going to keep shuffling guys in and out. Your final board should not be done until draft time. It's Things are going to move around, but game tape, one bad performance, nobody is perfect. There is never a prospect that is perfect like you guys both talked about, and Trevor Lawrence is the great guy to point to because he has made mistakes as well. So we need to stop overreacting. We need to just observe, see how he finishes out. Now, if he has a stretch of bad games, then I think that that is a, a different conversation for a different show if that ends up happening. So, guys, taking our our conversation now into the Senior Bowl, we had a ton of invites, some odd names that maybe would be East-West Shrine Game invites, others that really made a ton of sense and are getting amazing opportunities to prove themselves. Ryan, I want to head to you first. What was your major takeaway from all of the invites from the Senior Bowl this past week? It's not my major takeaway, but did you know? Did you guys know that Trevor Lawrence is technically going to be um, available for the Senior Bowl since he yeah. graduates in December? Isn't that crazy? I, I'm oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, he graduates in December, so he's going to graduate in the three years because he enrolled early. Could you imagine if Trevor Lawrence is down in Mobile as a true junior? That would be the greatest That'd thing That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. And, he, and it's a nice crop going down in the Senior Bowl so far. I will say a few late invites. You guys know that I wasn't – the biggest fan of the first couple days of invites, but then we've started getting guys like Carlos Basham and Kyle Trask and 
There's a lot of nice players now. Liam Eichenberg. There's there's some dudes going down in the Senior Bowl, and I really like the safety group that's that's um, the Jim Nagy's putting together so far. James Wiggins, Richie Grant. Um, but there's one guy that I really wanted to talk about today because I got, I got my first real eyes on him. You know, I've seen him in passing, but I re- I watched three of his games from this season. Uh, one in all 22, and then two games in broadcast film. And uh, it makes it a little tougher in broadcast, obviously, to watch safety play. But his game against Alabama really impressed me. That's Missouri safety Ty- Tyree Gil- Gillespie. Um, he is number nine for Missouri, who, who boasts a really nice defense with Nick Bolton. The other safety, Bledsoe, is also going to the Senior Bowl. Uh, they have a defensive tackle, number 78, that's worth keeping an eye on as well. As a, I think he's a junior so it's a really talented Missouri defense. Gillespie, though, I assumed, looking at his size and his and what I've heard of him, that this guy was going to be a box safety that's going to be down near the line of scrimmage, just going to tackle, do things in the alley, all those types of stuff. And he absolutely can do that. I, I mean, a couple of these plays against Alabama, he's coming inside out, running the alley, a missile. He's a monster of a hitter. So he has all those traits. But the crazy thing about him was they played him at single high a bunch from deep safety alignment, from depth, working from depth. He has some quick twitch to him, breaking up a pass on Devonta Smith early in that game against Missouri. Tyree Gillespie's good, man. Like, he is very good. I think he's one of the better safeties I've evaluated so far. And he's, he's. I mean, it's, it's going to be a crowded senior safety room with with um, with guys, again, like Wiggins and uh, Tariq Thompson come out of San Diego State. And there's a few guys that are worth, obviously, talking about. Richard LeCount from Georgia. There's a It's a really deep safety group. But I think Tyree Gillespie, and you guys know I'm a big Richard LeCount fan, I think this kid, if he goes to the Senior Bowl and dominates, tests relatively well for his size because he's a bigger safety, if he does all of those things well, he might be my top senior safety in the class over Richard LeCount because I think this kid can wear multiple outs in the defense. I think he's a better coverage to guy than I originally anticipated. He works from depth really well. He has some nice instincts in deep man in deep zone coverage on top of doing stuff in short zone and being that alley filler that I was talking about. I think Gillespie's very good, and I think he might be one of my biggest surprises watching film over the last couple weeks. Well, and just from, like you said, in passing and then the clips you've posted, this kid looks pretty, I, I'm with you, this kid looks good. I haven't I haven't put, you know, the, the point of emphasis on his tape to this point, but from what I've seen, from what you've put out there and just seeing, watching Nick Bolton and, and others on that defense, uh, he's he's really flashed in some way. So I, I'm excited for Tyree Gillespie as you you put him on my radar. But for me, like you said, it, early on it felt weird. You know, you got a lot of names that, some I haven't even heard of. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna lie to you. There's some names that got senior bowl invites that I hadn't even heard of. A bunch of FCS guys, man. They were they were just trying to appease oh, yeah. Joe. They were trying to make Joe happier. <laughs> yeah, on. Joe was the happiest man. But and but and we 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 had conversations about you know what is what is the senior bowl going to look like? Obviously, COVID still being around. East West Shrine game is changing up their format. All these other these other uh, all star games are changing their changing their formats up. But they've really they've really brought in some some big names here recently, like like you said as well. Um, but a couple of guys for me that I think have a lot to benefit from the Senior Bowl. You know, not guys that are necessarily uh, looked at as round one guys that are kind of lost in the mix of of their position groups. Is South Carolina Shy Smith first and foremost? Uh, 
he's put up some splash plays in an offense that hasn't been the greatest to this point. They've been shuffling through different quarterbacks. Uh, but Shai Smith is, man, he's put out some some fun highlights to this point. And, and I know our, our social media guy, Zach's a big fan of uh, Shai Smith and, and what he's been able to do to this point in the season. So uh, Shai Smith, I think, is someone that, you know, uh, one-on-ones is going to be really important for him. But And on the other side of the football, uh, other side of those same one-on-ones, Rodarius Smith is or Rodarius Williams, excuse me, from Oklahoma State. The corner is someone that I really liked coming into the season. I thought he was this fringe day two, day three guy uh, with good movement, uh, good ball skills, in my opinion. And um, but he's been quiet to this point. Oklahoma State's been fairly successful this year, but I haven't seen too much on him. I think he's kind of been lost as other names have been rising, such as J.C. Horn. Obviously, Israel Mukwamu had some fans coming into the season because of his elite size at the position. Uh, but So, Rodarius Williams has been someone that has been kind of lost in the mix, and I think the Senior Bowl's got a great platform, a great opportunity for him to to showcase what I saw over the senior uh, or over the summer and, and, and what he's been able to put forth together this year. I, I really like Rodarius Williams uh, going to the Senior Bowl. He's um he's Greedy Williams' brother too for the uh, Cleveland Browns now LSU former LSU yeah. Tiger so uh, he's got some bloodlines to him too and I, I would agree Alex he's actually older than his younger brother that's in the NFL now which is a little odd but yeah Rodarius definitely has um, a lot of good traits and he's had a really nice season so far for Oklahoma State. I'm trying to figure out what he's older than his younger brother that's in the NFL. So well, no no I, should, I shouldn't have thrown brother. in I, I shouldn't have thrown in the younger brother part so he's older. Then Greedy Williams that's in the NFL, but he's still in college. That's what I meant to say. Okay. Okay. That's odd. That is very right. odd. Yeah, he's like he's an older you, prospect, which is like the tough part. I think he's already twenty four years old, so like he's a little oh, older. Wow. But you know, he's yeah, he's polished on some good baby. Tape. Polish. Po- super polished. Super polished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it. Guys, let's get back to one thing that we haven't done in a few weeks, which is a, a stock watch update. We're getting really close to the season ending soon. I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize how we're at the end of November. There's really only a couple weeks left of this this quasi-college football season before we start transitioning to the postseason, the college football playoff, bowl season, all of that stuff. So we might as well take these final few weeks to provide some updates. Guys that are really helping themselves out, guys that might have had some big performances that caught your eye. Let's get on to this past week of college football. And Ryan, you have a player that I think is on a a different level of attention. I think not a lot of people are talking about him because of all of the really talented quarterbacks. Where do you stand on Michael Penix Jr. and why is he your stock stock up guy this week? He he's my stock up guy because frankly, I mean, it's not apples to apples because they're not in the same situation. But he outplayed Justin Fields yesterday in in their matchup. Indiana quarterback Michael Penix Jr. N- number nine lefty. He was the guy that I know some people did talk about in the summer. It wasn't in ton because he actually missed a majority of the season last year, recovering from an injury. Six three, two hundred eighteen pounds listed. He had a phenomenal day, almost 500 yards against Ohio State. Ohio State's secondary is not to the caliber that it usually is. Sean Wade's um, struggling. The rest of the secondary is young. So, obviously, the the opportunity was there for Michael Penix. And I will say, I didn't really know. Like, I knew about him. I didn't really take it seriously to begin with. Because, one, I mean, to start out with, he's not going to be a 2021 guy, in my opinion. I think he's a 2022 kid because he's only a redshirt sophomore. I know some people said, hey, both his wide receivers are gone after this year, potentially, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it, but he's not – I don't think he's ready. But what I did see yesterday was 
this kid can spin it, man. Like he can absolutely fire that thing. And you want to you want to test a guy's a guy's arm strength, opposite field hash towards the sideline with pressure in his face, fading off his back foot. There were several of those because the pass protection yesterday for Indiana was not great. So he's bailing off his back foot a ton. And he has some juice to his arm, man. I'm telling you, this kid's got something pretty accurate, too. I didn't see too many misfires yesterday. Like, he, I mean, the only bad, the only interception that he threw yesterday to Sean Wade was a throw where, again, he's on the opposite hash, trying to make, try, trying to make a play towards the sideline. It wasn't an inaccurate ball. It was just late towards the sideline, which is always a bad situation to the opposite sideline. So I really think accuracy – and arm strength-wise, there's something to Michael Penix Jr., and I think that he's a pretty decent athlete too, and I think that he needs to utilize that a little more kind of moving forward because there are some plays I feel like he could have maybe been a little more creative, but he handled pressure yesterday, and he showed me that there is a ton of talent there. And add another one to that 2022 class I talked about last week, I think that Penix can be a legitimate player in that class, and there is a lot of tools to work with there. Yeah, Penix Jr. is someone that, uh, week in and week out, he is impressing me more and more. And here on the big stage against Ohio State and that, you know, historic defense, that defense that carries so much weight uh, as far as namesake goes. And he impressed. I mean, like you said, he has more juice to that arm than I than I was giving him credit for going into this game. And just Indiana football in general, this is a good football team on both sides of the football. They have draft draft guys. You talked about the two wide receivers. And I think uh, Watt Fillier and Ty Freifogel are two names that should be mentioned in this podcast because Freifogel's been dominating the last few weeks what is it three games he's had six touchdowns or something over 200 yards yesterday against Ohio State he made Sean Wade look very bad yesterday very bad this is and and this is a guy that we weren't even talking about going into the season like he was just kind of there you know uh Walt Fillier was the was the big name coming out of Indiana over the summer going into this season as the as the NFL draft potential guy and though he's looked good this Ty Fogel kid has looked really good so Indiana football in general looks like they're in good hands uh as far as talent goes uh for the rest of this season and then if if Phoenix Jr and that young defense you know comes back I mean they they look good for the future as well so uh Alex your guy Dimitri Felton running back for UCLA, had a fantastic day against Oregon, 167 yards, two touchdowns. He also had two receptions, six yards. That's not as impressive. But what did you see from him? He's a bit of a compact, smaller running back. What were some of those flashes that made you really high on him this week? Yeah, he's someone that I didn't expect to get a heavy workload like that, you know, even in the college game. He's not someone that's built that way. He's he's usually kind of your your scat back used in certain downs. And he's more of a receiving back than a, than a true traditional running back. Uh, in fact, I think on the Senior Bowl accepted invite post, he's listed as a wide receiver. If 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 I'm not mistaken, so he is. This, yep. So you you mentioned the two receptions for six yards not being as impressive as what he was able to do on the ground, and that just shocks me because this guy's a receiving running back. That's what he is. And uh, but on the ground, he looked super explosive. I mean, he carried the workload as many carries as he had, and he just dominated from start to finish. I think he averaged about five yards a carry, the multiple touchdowns. He was just all over the place. And and against an Oregon defense that has NFLers all over it, uh, you know, all all levels of the football field, uh, he looked really, really good. You know, he had to take on some of that workload as Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback, was out in this game, this big-time matchup against Oregon. Uh, so more of the workload was put on him. And on the ground, he looked really good. I, th- I think this is one of those players that you're going to see compared to 
the Tony Pollards, uh, if y'all remember Dexter McCluster, you know, the Ole Miss kid that played in the NFL a little bit. Uh, you know, he's going to be compared to that as just that scat back, you know, kind of do it all, cinnamon motion, jet sweep kind of guy. Uh, but I really like Felton, and I think I think this was a, a huge coming out party for him, especially saying that he just he just uh, committed to go into the Senior Bowl. I think it was yesterday or the day before, or I think it was Friday the day before. Uh, no, this is this is just another guy. You know, we talked about the Senior Bowl just it, during the last segment. This is another guy I'm excited to see what he can do in the Senior Bowl if, if he's listed at wide receiver, running some routes because I think this guy can just be a a weapon for an NFL team at the next level. And why do you come to this podcast, Believe in NFL Draft Prospect Podcast? Why do you come to a joke to hear Dexter McCluster references on the podcast? <laughs> That's exactly why our listeners tune in. It's just for that one Dexter McCluster reference. That is going to be our tagline for the remainder of the the remainder of this draft cycle. So to ra- <laughs> wrap us up here on our final segment that is now unexpectedly expanded after a uh, a disagreement during the pre-show meeting. Uh, there were some some possible threats of of not re-signing contracts. <laughs> there was some of that that level of disagreement. We we had a you know a nice a nice civil arrangement. So there is now an extra level of stat stat sheet stuffers where there is a defensive stat sheet stuffer. But first, let's get to the offensive guys that had stupid performances this week. I'm going to give my guy Jarrett Patterson, not the offensive lineman that Ryan loves on the University of Notre Dame's offensive line. I'm talking about the Jarrett Patterson for the Buffalo Bulls. 301 yards, 31 carries, almost for 10 yards a clip, and four touchdowns. That is a big, big day for a guy that I think a lot of people consider to be an interesting small school running back prospect. Ryan, you've got a guy who played his first game this past week on Friday. Who, who'd you pick and why'd you pick him and what are his stats? Yeah, and that that was a good that was a good to reference that Joe that that it's not Jared Patterson from Notre Dame. This is Jared with one R, Jared Patterson from <laughs> Buffalo. My guy is a guy that I was super excited about in the summer, and he opted out, opted back in, dealing with an injury. Just played his first game for Purdue. That is Mr. Rondell Moore, wide receiver, who had 15 receptions in his first game back, only for 116 yards but they used him in a lot of underneath situations, 15 catches in his first game back. And he was a guy that everyone turned into a doctor on. You know, oh, I can't trust this guy. I can't trust this guy. All these injury concerns. You don't know his injuries. Stop talking. Stop making assumptions. But 15 receptions in his first game back is notable. Rondell Moore is firmly in the first-round conversation, even with the shortened season last year and missing the first couple games after opting back in. He's still a top 30 player on Mel Kuyper's board and Mel Kuyper talks to a lot of NFL teams. So you know that there is some, some, you know, gravity to that situation. There is definitely some weight that is um, to be talked about with Rondell Moore. So Rondell Moore, 15 receptions, first game back was a great entrance to the 2020 season. And Moore is a player who, for some reason, and you talked about it, everybody becoming a doctor, there were some sites and some major sources that were having him slide into the second round. Heck, there's one major site, and I'm not going to name it, that had Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU ahead of him on their wide receiver rankings, um, which I think is just silly. And Rondell Moore came out and proved, hey, guys, I'm still here. I'm still a fantastic player. Whoever's going to take me is going to get a fantastic receiver for their offense. Alex, who is your last offensive guy as we've got another running back? Now, before we recorded, if, if, 
if I remember correctly, you made fun of mine. You said mine wasn't as impressive. No, no, no. I said that your defensive statistic is much better than this this Look, one, which I think is true. Your your guy almost averaged 10 yards a carry. Talk about 10.9 yards a carry. 18 carries, 196 yards for Jermar Jefferson of Oregon State. Uh, one touchdown. Uh, so not as impressive on the touchdown category, but this guy's averaging 10.9, Joe. This is more impressive. Against a Pac-12 team, too, not against yeah, the Mac. Come on. No Mac shit here. <laughs> no. I don't but, know. The one touchdown's a little light for me. That's the only reason I why. I understand. <laughs> I understand. But no, Jermar Jefferson is someone I watched over the summer, and and he split a lot of carries. I can't remember who the running back is he split a lot of Art, carries Art, with. Artavis Pierce. That's it. Artavis Pierce split a lot of carries with him uh, in in previous seasons. So watch both of those guys. And Jermar Jefferson was far and away the more impressive athlete to me. Um, I thought, you know, at his size, I think he's like a 5'10-ish, 215 plus kind of guy. Good, solid build. I think he's got good explosiveness, as we saw in that. I think it was a 75-yard touchdown carry that he had in that game. No, Jermar Jefferson is someone that playing for Oregon State, the Pac-12, the delayed start kind of. No one's talking about him, and and he's not a huge name prospect. I think this is a day three guy at the end of the day, but I think this is this could be a day three guy that you could see a lot of production at the next level in a backfield by committee. You know, maybe that Boston Scott esque you know mold. Uh, so Jermar Jefferson is my stat sheet stuffer, averaging over ten yards a carry. Joe, now if if Jermar Jefferson was going against your pick. For which somehow this is a player in your eyes. If they were going against this group of players for your defensive stat sheet stuff, or would he go for 10.9? And who is that group? That group for me is uh, Mississippi State's defensive line. I guess you would call it their front seven, just their defense as a whole. Georgia is historically, and over the last 10 years especially, known as one of, if not the best, rushing attacks in college football. Uh, pushing out NFLers left and right at the running back position. The offensive line is bigger than just about anybody's in the nation. But Mississippi State, they figured out the formula because uh, Georgia rushed the ball 23 times and totaled eight yards on the ground. Obviously, in the college game, that includes some sacks, but there's no one that really got going in the running games. Zamir White carried the workload for Georgia, 11 carries, 21 yards. And he was getting pushed at that. Like, this is someone that just drives his legs. And I think he he had 21 yards. I I can almost guarantee you at least 15 of those were just him driving defensive linemen a couple extra yards each time he ran the football. So uh, the Mississippi State D-line really, really shut down this Georgia's offense as far as the rushing attack. Too bad uh, Mr. JT Daniels, uh, 401 passing yards, four touchdowns, lit him up on uh, the passing side of that uh, that equation. Uh, the first 400-yard passer for Georgia since 2013, believe it or not. 401 yards passing in college football nowadays isn't too crazy. But for Georgia, that's that's pretty insane. So I'll, I'll set a shout-out JT Daniels in his first start of 2020. So, so you, okay, so <laughs> this wasn't a defensive stat sheet stuffer. This was your that was really indirect players. way. That was 12 yeah. players. <laughs> All right, so it's officially – this is the last episode that we do defensive <laughs> stat sheet stuffer because – Alex abused it. Alex just abused it. Instead of just I giving us you, one I guy, cheat. Uh, you, you find the most unique ways to cheat because like <laughs> every week you, get, you do this, you do it where like you just start adding more and more guys. It's like oh, I'm gonna add two or three, but you did twelve. I don't, I don't know how you did it. it. I almost didn't even notice it until you started talking about JT Daniels. But uh, congrats for doing that. Um, Ryan, why don't you wrap us up here with your guy who I think it deservedly so is on this list and it's only yeah. one player. And I would just like to say 
the more that you bring him up, the more that I encourage it because I want as many sound bites and as many clips of as possible of this guy's name from our show so that when everybody in, in January and February and then even March, maybe even April, when everybody's talking this dude up like, oh, he might be a first rounder. He's going to be a really talented uh, maybe second round pick. He's a freak athlete. We're going to be able to say that we knew about this guy way before all of the, uh, the mainstream places knew. So who is this guy, Ryan? Yeah, and Twitter loves receipts. So if you want a receipt, go look up Rise and Draft and the word Tulsa, yep. and you will see me talking up a bunch of these guys. And I always talk about how I'm, I got ridiculed a little bit in the summer. And Zayvon Collins, linebacker, was one of those guys that I talked about. And he's number 23 for Tulsa's defense. He's listed at 6'4", 260 pounds. We'll say his official measurement is a, is a shade over 6'3", and 254 pounds right now. But even so, that is a gigantic linebacker, plays off-ball, plays some Sam for them. He can rush the passer. He can um, defend the pass. He can do a little bit of everything in that Tulsa defense. I tweeted out during the game, Zayvon Collins is going to run in the 4.5s to 260 pounds, and people are going to lose their minds. They are absolutely going to. And like Joe just said, first round, is it out of the possibility? I, I think there's some comps. I mean, I mean, they're not the exact same stylistically, but could he be the Leighton Vanderesh of this year, the Boise State kid? Like, I think there is something there. So this game, he had 14 tackles, one tackle for loss, obviously great numbers. But the biggest play of the day in overtime, he had a 96-yard interception return for a touchdown in overtime to win the game. And when if you go and take a look at that interception, my guy is moving. My dude is flying. This kid is is a legit athlete. You need to remember the name Zaven Collins, number 23 from Tulsa. Go take a look at him if you haven't already. This is our, your next level Sam that can play on ball a little bit, but he's an off-ball guy that, that is the highest rated coverage linebacker in all of college football, according to PF, PFF, Pro Football Focus right now, by the way. So this is not just a big guy, a lumbering guy. This guy is an all-around linebacker who can do a little bit of everything for your defense. All right, folks, that is going to be it from the NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, follow us on social media at NFL Prospects Pod. We have a fantastic social media team. Alec Paluto and Zach Garten have done, hopefully I pronounced that right, Alec. I'll ask you after the show. That was, or, or they have done a fantastic job so far with our social media account. Continues to grow. And if you want to just stay up to date, one on some sound bites from the show. If you want to see some prospects that have big performances, see some college football games that are, are tight and some crazy upsets. We track all of that stuff because our social media team is amazing at what they do. So go follow that account at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, and also at Alex Gilstrap for our social media accounts at Believe Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. That is spelled B-L-E-A-V. Um, and also head to Believe.com uh, for more shows. There's hundreds of shows on their website and also to find our show. We're also on any um, podcast platform that you can find out there if you're having trouble finding us. And make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Stay tuned for our interview this week coming up with an NFL Draft Prospect. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.